Hello, party people! This is the Just Ideas Podcast. My name's Andy. I'm with Andy. And these are Just Ideas. In today's episode, Andy is vindicated, and I get a taste of my own medicine. We want to take a quick second and shout out Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble is America's largest retail bookstore, selling everything from books and comics to gifts, games, and toys. Barnes & Noble has always been one of my absolute favorite places to go. I remember growing up, I'd run in that store and pick up the latest copy of Percy Jackson or the Hunger Games series. And even now, it's one of my favorite places. In fact, Barnes & Noble was my publisher for my brand new book, Just Ideas, that came out at the end of 2021. So this company, this brand, Barnes & Noble, has always had a special place in my heart, and I encourage you to check them out online or in stores near you. One day, McIntyre Jr. busts to the front door, all pissed off, and he looks at his dad and he goes, Dad, you're never going to believe it. I loaned my buddy Sammy the car and he dented it. And he's still in high school and he's got no money. He can't pay to get it fixed. This sucks. McIntyre kind of looks at him with a smirk and he goes, this sounds like a few years ago when I loaned you my car and you dented it up. Remember that? You still haven't paid me for it. I had to fix it all on my own. What do you think? I think this is the moment we've been waiting for. Here we are. <laughs> we, you have enjoyed the entire time we've been podcasting. One of the things that you've enjoyed, and I think some of our listeners enjoy, is when people give very bad reviews of me. Yep. And we even have a video where you had great joy in spontaneously dropping these insults on me. Yeah. When uh, I didn't know they were coming. That's right. And now the worm has turned. You have your book that's out on, mm. on Amazon. And somebody wrote a review that was negative. Yes. So I yeah. want to know what <laughs> you, you always ask me, what do you think? I want to ask you, what do you think? Well, the shoe is on the other foot. The shoe is firmly on the other foot. You're right. I liked going to ratemyprofessor.com and there were always hundreds of reviews for you. I'd collect them up and I thought, man, this is just like Jimmy Kimmel with the mean tweets. I'm going to read it right to his face. I know he'll take it on the chin. And I even did the sequel too, back around Christmas time, like 2020 or whatever it was. And man, I, it's so funny. And now I got hit with my first one um, on Barnes right, and Noble. Read it to us. Yeah, read on it to Barnes us. and Noble, actually. And um, so if you haven't picked up the book yet, it's like a collection of essays. And the first chapter is about identity. And in the f- exposition of this chapter, I bring up how we talked about how fraternity guys find a special part of their identity in being a fraternity guy. And then I, then I kind of, you know, that sets me up and then I talk about identity and then I kind of leave it behind, but red fire truck on barnesandnoble.com had a different idea. He said biases from negative emotional experiences. I bought this book because I wanted to see what a graduate from my college was capable of producing. And I wanted to support a fellow student. I was excited to read the book until I began the first chapter. The author almost instantly starts taking jabs at certain groups of individuals in his discussion about identity. Sure, this substance is warranted in this sort of discussion, but the author crosses the line of objective examination and enters into the realm realm of satirizing and generalizing certain organizations when comic relief isn't really called for. You can be credible or you can be a clown, but not both. That reminded me of you because I feel like people said that about (laughs) (laughs) And then it goes on. It says author targets fraternity students and revisits them multiple times. It's almost as if the author took an opportunity to use his newfound title of an author to stand on a soapbox and dish out some implicit implicit payback because he was bullied by them or something. Books, is that you? I don't know who Books is, but I, I will start by giving them credit. In the fact that I was not one of the fraternity guys in college and I observed them from afar and kind of, you know, 
I well, saw how that was different. Go back to the sentence right before <laughs> it said clown. What was the beginning of that sentence? Oh, let, let me find this real quick. It's a long review. Two stars, by the way. This one was two stars. Wow. It's better yeah. than, I think you have to give one, don't you? You can't give no stars. Right. You have to give one. But the interesting thing, too, is also on Barnes & Noble's rating system, it says, do you recommend this book? Yes or no? So he wrote this long two-star review. And they put, yes, I recommend this book. So well, you know nice. what? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take what I can get. Um, okay. Let's see where I... Okay. Yeah. He says... The author crosses the line of objective examination and enters into the realm of satirizing and generalizing certain organizations when comic relief isn't really called for. Comic relief. Stop right there. Comic (laughs) relief is always called for. That's kind of my thought. That's how the guy. So this is. See, I think this is funny because you were bitten by your own generation. I sure was. My generation and the, th- the two or three that followed me thought comic relief is always called for. <laughs> and your generation, you've told me this before. I have. You've told me that why do you have to be mean? Why can't you just be nice? Right. You don't need to be funny or poke fun at people. Or just, mean. Right. And just there be nice. You went, <laughs> and there you went making fun of fraternity brothers. Yeah, I sure did. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> you, you got caught and you weren't being nice. No, I suppose I wasn't. Because there's nothing funny about nice. Isn't that tragic? <laughs> and I was a fraternity brother, so really? I am able to, you know, make fun of them, I guess, because that's yeah. the rule, right? If you're, you, you can't make fun of Seinfeld. You can't make fun of dentists unless you are a dentist. That's right. And Jerry was an anti-dentite, right? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, fraternities, and, it, and it's not a gross generality. When I was, you know, first at OSU, the, the betas were like in huge, huge trouble. Oh, and um, they, you know, they were in trouble with their, you know, do you know fraternities have national organizations? Yeah, I actually do. I do know about that. Yeah. And they, if they get in trouble, they get contacted by the university. The reason I know that is because when they get in trouble, you hear about the national organization. Exactly. Yeah. And do you know what the, um, the grand poobah of the betas is known as? No. The master beta. Come on. No, really. That is actually that is actually based on fact. That, that's All right, let's great. get back. Let's get back to you. Okay, great. So, so I I listened to "The Age of Innocence" by Edith Wharton. Is this an audiobook? It's an audiobook. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a classic from hundred years ago. Oh, I'm actually not familiar. Okay, so one of the ideas in "The Age of Innocence" there were some really big ideas, and one is that happy, nice people are just simple. <laughs> just simple. <laughs> just simple. Yeah. And that, and now there's, there's two kinds of nice, mm. right? You can be a very, you can be considerate of other people. You can be empathic. You can be helpful. You can be nice. Yeah. Right. But still, you know, sarcastic and critical and, you know, and, and, um, you know, bring up things that people, I guess, you know, be mean when appropriate. Sure. Yeah. Maybe with some dignity about it and some integrity to it. But there's an empty kind of nice that it sounds like this person was. Oh, really? And I think something in the neighborhood of 95% of the members of your generation, right? It's a, <laughs> it's an emptiness nice. That yeah. doesn't actually make you a nice person. The fact that you think no one should be be mean 
doesn't mean you help people or you're empathic, right? Or anything else. Doesn't mean you're nice. Yeah. So there's this niceness means being because what you were doing was you were making an observation, being clever, and trying to illustrate a point through <laughs> sarcasm or a joke or exaggeration, hyperbole, whatever you want to call it. And that's what clever is. And it's a higher order of thinking. Because it's, I mean, it's not an opinion yeah. that a sense of humor comes from intelligence. Well, and it I've... comes from an experience of knowing things, thinking, suffering, being disappointed, living. Yeah, living. So I, my diagnosis is <laughs> you were bitten by your own generation because the person who wrote that was simple. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, I appreciate that you're you're. You're being nice, but I guess it's only two stars worth of cleverness. I gotta, I gotta work on it because I, you know, I could take that on myself and just say I didn't communicate well enough. You know, maybe I came across as really being rude instead of clever. So something to work on for my next one. But someone who thinks fraternity brothers <laughs> are a group that needs to have sensitivity towards them. <laughs> the ethos of a fraternity uh, brother is to not have any sensitivity for anybody. Right? <laughs> That's a funny point. Yeah. A matter of fact. Fraternity brothers are like extremely religious people. <laughs> Individually, they're very nice, mm. but when they get in groups, they're usually annoying. Yeah, maybe that's human nature, you know, and then at a fraternity, it's, it's all the way turned up because people, you know, they do things they wouldn't normally do if they got people next to them that are doing it. Right, right, right. So yeah. individually, you, you, you know, you can, you can be a nice person, but when you get in a group, it all starts, it all starts falling, you know, and it's a problem with all humans, right? You get into, um, you know, I would, I would say any group except possibly New England Patriots fans. <laughs> they are probably, um, I got my friend in um, Miami, he calls them mass holes, which I think is funny. <laughs> the, 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 um, the New England fans, but anyway, they've lost. So it's a wonderful yeah, season. they sure have. They did. Yeah, I think also you're a Buffalo Bills fan, and that was the team that that squashed them. Yeah, it was it was a fun it was a fun day to uh, yeah to do that. So <laughs> so another thing that was in the age of innocence, mm -hmm. and in you know don't if you want to run back to you being mocked, run back to it. But <laughs> sure, something sure. I thought was interesting is there was a guy, <clears throat> the main character, and he was engaged to somebody. Yeah. And the person he was engaged to was a safe, agreeable, appropriate spouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he fell in love with a countess. Oh, a countess. While he was engaged. Yeah. And the countess was alive and dynamic right. and exciting. And he was in love, but she was estranged from her husband. Oh. And she wanted to get a divorce. But this book was in the 1880s, mm -hmm. so he couldn't get divorced because it was a scandal. Right, right. And so for him to drop his, to break off his engagement, to help Madame Olenska, <laughs> or, or Countess Olenska, yeah, yeah. get a divorce and then take up with Countess Olenska, he would have been thrown out of society in New York. Yeah, it'd be huge. So society enforced societal norms mm. by throwing you out of the club. Oh, yeah, that's true. 
which is actually what the very first, you know, social order came from. Yeah. So, so there was this thing called the, now I'm going to give a, a, a business law lecture. There's this thing, <laughs> hopefully it'll be interesting called the law merchant. And before there were courts and before there were laws, merchants would join organizations hmm. and the organization would decide, you know, here's what an agreement is. And everyone has to honor their agreement. Yeah. And of course, something disastrous happens and you're like, wait a minute, I should be excused. Sure. Sure. So over time, the organization would decide what's a good excuse. What's not. And if you had a conflict, the organization would decide <laughs> and you would have to live by their decision. Yeah. Yeah. And of course order. they enforced it mm -hmm. by throwing you out of the organization. And if you're thrown out of the organization, nobody will make a deal with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're ostracized. You're ostracized. So you get, you could cheat once, but right. then you're thrown out. <laughs> one so strike. the way, so what the author Edith Wharton is trying to tell us is our society, even to this day is you don't have any freedom. Mm. You have to do what society tells you to do or you'll be ostracized. Yeah, but a lot of people hate that idea. And they say, well, we need to change society instead of society changing us. You know, and people are up in arms about this. And of course, when we do change it, it's only for the worst. <laughs> you know, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so people used to behave themselves because they didn't want to be shamed by their group. Right. But now people don't have any shame. Well, right? they can, <laughs> you they can have, do, as you say, you must have read my book. That's what chapter two is about, about how a community can use really, you know, the more uh, psychologically appropriate term is guilt, you know, instead of shame, because it's like we can guilt you in a constructive way to participate in the in the best way, you know, or the generally accepted best way to um, to behave in a community, in a society. And that helps you. That helps your community. It helps everybody. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's gone away to some degree. Yeah, and it and it's interesting to read the book, you know, 150 years later, because or whatever it is from the Times 150 years ago, because in the book you wanted him to me with Countess Olenska. Yeah, but then at the end of the book, his wife died of disease because it's 1880, and sure. the Countess is free, and he is over in Europe. He's going with his son, who, of course, had met her through some other means and was just going on a visit. Yeah. And he, and he decided he didn't even want to see her when the road was paved. Oh, really? Because um, society, you know, was so strong. Everybody, everybody had to stay, stay in their lane. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. You know, and I guess that that's the best part about reading class because it's literature, you know, right? Um classic literature is that it stays relevant because the central ideas or the themes permeate through time. And I, I'll, I probably brought this up in like three episodes now, but something you said once that really stuck with me was you, you, you know, cause your hyperbolic statements, you know, get attention. You said fiction is more real than nonfiction because yeah. you read a book like Babbitt, you read a book like brave new world, and it's still true a hundred years, you know, 75, 175 years later. Um, because the human nature themes are true, but you read a book about Ronald Reagan and next to it is another book about Ronald Reagan. One hates him, one loves him, and they're totally yeah, and different write, stories. Yeah. You pick out all the history. You pick out all the facts you want to make, to make your point. Yeah. And, and, and we never know. So this, you know, this kind of goes back to uh, legalized marijuana and goodness. Have we gone two podcasts <laughs> in a row without me mentioning marijuana? It's amazing. Um, yeah. Um, I, I used to be my whole life. I was for legalizing marijuana. <laughs> Until it became legal. 
<laughs> and then I'm like, I was wrong. Yeah, right? that's so funny. And now I used to be in favor of, uh, you know, prostitution. Really? Because, well, it's a victimless crime. <laughs> and when you make it illegal, the woman gets, you know, it, it's unhealthy mm. because there's sexually transmitted diseases. You get the opportunity for women to be sexually exploited because it's illegal and she can't go to the police. Yeah. Right? If you made it legal, you could take, um, you know, the, the, the pimp out of the equation. She could <laughs> go to the police if she was mistreated and you could enforce health standards. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I right? gotta, it's a brand new idea to me. I got to think about that one. It was, it's guess- the same as marijuana because it's a right. victimless crime. People do it anyway. Yeah. So you right? could say you could and make the argument that you should do that for every victimless, victimless, victimless crime. Well, they did for gambling. Well, I suppose they they legalized gambling. It's, it's all, you know, they can't watch an NFL game without 12 ads for. Yeah. MGM or something. They're spending a fortune on those things. People are going to be packing tons of money into that. It's another episode. Yeah. But um, yeah. So so I used to think, well, you know, because the women will be treated better. It'll be healthier. <laughs> it'll be less violent. I mean, it's just, you know, just, and people do it, you know, people are doing it. So you got all this misery and disease and, and cruelty that goes with it. Yeah. But now I'm not because what I didn't know about legalizing marijuana is that every single circus clown would start using (laughs) marijuana. That's the part I I figured only the people who were, you know, Mm. everyone who wanted marijuana was doing it. I dramatically underestimated humanity despite the fact that in every podcast I work humanity over with nunchucks. (laughs) You do, you do. And I'm catastrophically disappointed in humanity. It never ceases to disappoint. And that's a classic case of it. Right. So everybody, right. In in 10% of Oklahomans, you know, have marijuana cards and they're buying it for the other 90%. (laughs) So, so that's what would happen in legalized prostitution, right? Every, we had our, our we had our podcast on sex, right? It's or it's coming. I don't know what order we're releasing these things, right. <laughs> but um, but you know, every place is going to run off to prostitutes if you legalize it. It's going to be an absolute disaster. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's going to be red lights all over Oklahoma. <laughs> it's going to be the horniest state in America. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd like to see the metric on that. But what I was going to say was. I remember I took a, a philosophy class um, in college and one of the papers I wrote, I made an argument that's like when you legalize something, you can often eff- or you effectively normalize it, you know. And so once you say something's legal, then people perceive it to be, you know, good and an option and worthwhile because it goes back to our human nature where it's like we don't figure that there are things out there that are readily available and maybe readily accepted that we should say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. You know, there's some exceptions, right? You say, well, you know, it's maybe normal to get drunk on a Saturday night and I'm not going to do that. But like, there are so many things like that where it's like, oh, it's accepted and people will sell it to me. And I'm still going to say no, because I see that it's bad. And I think that's our human nature is to say it's normal, it's legal, and I don't think it's right or good. Yeah, there, there, there's something to that. And that's the part yeah. that I always missed, right? Yeah. I had, I had another... Um, another, you know, another idea. I don't know. Did we ever do legal that we should legalize drugs? Did we do a podcast on that? We did a long time ago, actually. It's like episode number yeah, nine. We went, we went through the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. So my, the, the punchline of that podcast was that if you legalized everything, we were going to outlaw alcohol advertising. <laughs> yeah. so it's legal, but you couldn't advertise. The people just had to go, go Discover find it. it. Yeah. And that 
over the long term, if you legalized everything, humans might figure it out. That was my theory. After the marijuana explosion, I don't, I don't think so. I think, <laughs> yep. um, yeah, yeah. So what, I mean, yeah, because it gets normalized. Mm-hmm. And what they essentially do is they allow drugs and they allow prostitution and they say it's illegal, but they don't arrest very many people for it. Yeah. Right, because they, we just want to say it's illegal because it's wrong. Right. Um, something something to that that I didn't realize till the marijuana thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the that's the argument I would take is, you know, maybe there's, you know, uh, virtue involved with keeping something illegal, you know, and you have the whole argument of misdemeanor decriminalization, all that, which I'm not going to get into. But, you know, there's a fair point of just like we just want to keep a, a, an idea barrier behind certain things to say, just don't bother with it. You know, we're going to call it illegal not going to prosecute you, but like, you know, that's enough for a common person to be like, oh, if it's illegal, I'm not going to do it. It's, you know, I just don't want to bother, you know, even though there might not actually be severe repercussions, legally speaking. And and circling back to our original point of view being taken (laughs) apart in the review. Yeah. It's, you know, the sad reality is you would say to that person who gave you that review, um, you know, what are we supposed to tell jokes about? Hmm. And their answer is they don't need jokes because they're simple. <laughs> That's right. That's what the answer is. <laughs> Your sitcom. And the, and the hope is, well, sitcoms are gone almost. Well, you said you said young people just want a sitcom where everyone's nice and they just stare at each other. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It, it would just be a sit-sit because there'd right. be no calm. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because nice, different kinds of nice. Mm. That kid may not like people mocking each other, but he may not be, you know, imp- you know, he may not be a nice person. Yeah. It's a different kind of nice. It's a simple, vacuous nice, <laughs> not a care. It's like it's a no character. Yeah. He's nice because he has no thoughts, not because he's nice. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I think we're going to wrap this episode up and I'm going to make sure I have the right. final word. But if, if that red fire truck guy on Barnes and Noble ever, ever sends me an email, I'll ask him his age and then we'll have a whole new podcast episode if he's above the age of 50. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I can, there's yeah. no way. There's well, no this, way. <laughs> okay, perfect. We'll dismantle that. I'll let you know if, if red fire truck ever reaches out, but for just ideas, my name's Andy and that was Andy. Hey, party people, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Just Ideas podcast. Be sure to follow me, Andy Brophy, on LinkedIn so you can read my bi-weekly newsletter that alternates with our podcast release schedule. That way, every single Thursday, you can have something to read or listen to from Just Ideas. Also, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple and also now on Spotify.